Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Well, hey, what is up, City Life Lansing? How are you? You guys doing well? I, I got to tell you, um, I'm probably more excited to be here than you guys are excited to have me here. So uh, I know a lot about you, even if you don't know a lot about me. And so I just wanted to say, first of all, I think Jerome gives some of the best introductions uh, in the history of the planet. You know, getting introduced by Jerome, you feel like you're awesome. So at least I can feel that way, you know, for a couple minutes here. That's great. And um, I wanted to just quickly just say how humbled and honored I am to share with you. For those of you who do not know, as Jerome said, we've been really, really close friends for a very long time. And so I have been a part of this church and a part of what you guys are doing, even though you may not know, I've been kind of behind the scenes and a part of it. So I actually feel like this is home, even though a lot of you probably have never seen my face or heard my name, I feel like I'm home. So thank you for having me and welcoming me. And before we jump in today, I wanted to say this as well. Your pastor is one of the greatest men that I've ever met. And yeah. And you guys know that because he's your pastor, but I just love walking around and feeling his heart and his passion for the gospel and for people duplicated through all of you. It's just been incredible even to be here this morning, just the life and the energy and the passion. And I just wanted to uh, give honor where honor is due. Pastor Jerome is is one of the greatest men I've ever met, as I said. And uh, if there was anybody I could pick to be on a team in a battle, he would be one of, the, one of my first picks to be in the foxhole with. And so he's absolutely incredible. And I know you guys know this as well, but he is a leader here at this church, but he's also a leader in our city. And I believe that Jerome Verlin is also a leader nationally. And so uh, I just uh, honor him and I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here and speak in his stead. And uh, I know there's big shoes to fill on that front. So Quick introduction for me, you guys. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. So I figured rather than taking several thousand words, I would just show you some pictures. Does that, does that work for you? And uh, again, my name is Scott Hayes. I am a pastor of a church called Element Church. We are actually in East Lansing, so not that far from you guys. And uh, Jerome and I loved planting churches next to each other. We are close friends and we are helping lead the city together. Um, grew up all over the country. Just some quick stuff, because we need to get to know each other quickly. I, uh, I played college football. And uh, I was played small-time college football, but I was, I was decently good. And so there will be a lot of jokes about football stuff maybe now that you know me. So that will come up. So there's a picture of that so you guys can get to know me a little bit. I was married at age 19 to my beautiful wife who's not here today. She's actually at home at our, at our church. But um, she's incredible. These are my three kids. It's Ellie. Ellie's actually here. I don't want to embarrass her. But Ellie, go like this. Ellie's here. And um, because she's old enough to be able to sit in one place without going crazy. So she's in here. And then Braylon and Karis are here as well. They're in, uh, in kids and they're hanging out and probably causing a lot of problems. So pray for Rhett and the rest of the guys back there. That'd be great. And um, the last one I've got for you guys actually includes Jerome. And I don't know if you can see the guy. Uh, I'm on the right, but Jerome is two in, well, three in, I guess, from the right in the multiple colored shorts going like this. That's Jerome, that's your pastor. So that was, yeah, that was uh, not as old as it looks. It actually was an 80s birthday party, but um, there you go. So some short shorts, and I thought you guys wanna know that, and we've been really good friends for a long time. And uh, again, just really honored and humbled to be here. So uh, guys, I would like to pray. I feel like as I prayed to be here this morning, again, maybe for some people, they... 
they travel and speak or they have uh, messages that, you know, they, they kind of can and then bring. For me, guys, I, again, this is a little bit like a homecoming for me. And so I prayed for you. I've been praying for you. And I prayed this morning and I really asked God, God, what do you want to speak to City Life Lansing this morning? So I believe that the, the words that I'm going to share in a moment, they are a life message for me but I believe that they're a message for us this morning. And so uh, I feel like there's a significant moment here this morning for us and something that I really believe God would, would like to impart. So if you guys would pray with me, we'll jump in, okay? Father, God, we love you and we give you all of us this morning. God, I pray for each and every one of us as we've come in this place, God, for those of us who may not even know you yet. God, would you encounter us in a real way this morning? And God, for those of us who have walked with you for years and years, some of us maybe decades, God, would you encounter us in a new way this morning? Would you breathe new life? And God, would you encounter us at a deeper place, God, that we would know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of your love? God, we just thank you for not only words this morning, God, that would be informational, but I pray for transformation this morning, God, because an encounter with you is an encounter with life change. And so we thank you for that this morning. Thank you for changed lives. And we thank you, God, for your words being spoken. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, guys, I want to just open up, and you got to see a couple of the cool things that I've gotten to do with my life, and some interesting things. But probably one of the most interesting things that has ever happened to me is when I was seven years old. Uh, I uh, lived in Texas, actually, Lubbock, Texas. Any Red Raider fans in here? Okay, all right, well, it was a good shot, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, Texas Tech, Red Raiders, Lubbock, Texas, but I was seven, I was going to my friend Paul's house and uh, we were hanging out, my parents were going to a game and so they dropped us off, they went to the stadium. So I'm hanging with Paul, I'm hanging with two other guys and there's this hayloft in their, uh, in their backyard and it's like you know two stories and it goes up and there's a rope hanging from the top of the second story and so uh, as you know, seven-year-old boys do, we started getting more daring and so we started climbing up into the barn and we started sliding down the rope from the second story. And so, but anyway, it starts burning your hands, right? I mean, if you've ever slid down a rope, you know. So Paul goes in to get gloves. He comes out, there's four of us. He comes out, he has three pairs of, wet, of leather work gloves and one pair of nylon snow mittens. And you know that if I would have gotten a pair of leather work gloves, I would not be telling you a story right now. So I have this pair of nylon snow mittens. We're all up in the, in the barn, in the hayloft, and they all three slide down, you know, like G.I. Joe, rappel down out of the thing. And I've got these nylon snow mittens, and so I'm standing up there, and you ever get that feeling where you're like, this isn't a good idea? I don't know if any of you guys ever get that. I was like, this isn't a good idea. And I reached out, and I clipped onto the rope with my nylon snow mittens, and I paused, and I hesitated, and they all like, Scotty, come on, you can do it. And so anyway, so I, I clip on, you know, with both hands, and then I step off the ledge. And as soon as I stepped off, it was like a free fall. There was no friction at all, just like a zip line, like down. And so I did what any of you would do if you were seven with nylon snow mittens sliding down a rope, is you bite the rope, that's what you do. Because you have to find a way to get stoppage somewhere. And so that's what you do. You just kind of do this. You go like that. You just bite. And so I bit the rope. And uh, anyway, long story short, snapped my palate bone and pulled my entire roof of my mouth up. So I, my teeth were still in my mouth. They were totally there. Uh, they just, they pointed out this way though. And so I remember hitting and sitting in the bottom of the barn. And I remember putting my tongue to the roof of my mouth. And I tried to yell my teeth. But you know what you need to make a TH sound, right? Is you need teeth. 
So it kind of sounded like this, like that. It was because that's all I could really get out. And so I remember running out of the barn with my teeth sticking out like this. And Paul's mom was gardening. And I remember running up to her going, my teeth, my teeth, like that. And she probably almost passed out. And so that was really awesome. So they got me to the hospital. And um, anyway, long story short, my mom ended up getting there. She runs in. She's like, my baby. And she sees me, right? And she faints. And she goes out. And so they drag her out and she comes to and she's like, where am I? And they're like, you're in the hospital. Your son's been in an accident. It's okay. And she's like, I got to get in there. And this is in the way my brain works, but she fights through the doctors, you know, and she gets in. Anyway, she's like, my baby. And she sees me and, she's, and, and she passes out and they take her out again. So it was really, really uh, a fun experience and uh, a lot of great things there. But I, I get thinking about that story and I think about something. The doctors did something amazing for me when I was seven and I bit the rope is the doctors actually stepped into a mess that I couldn't fix and they didn't have a problem with it. That's actually why they were there. They stepped into the mess. That was the function and role that they took on was to step into the mess and to help bring healing and restoration and repair because that's what a doctor does. And so it was really interesting that uh, I think it's kind of like our lives in a sense is that the Bible says in Genesis that sin entered the world and death through sin. It's kind of like biting the rope. It's like we do, you know, I don't know if you guys do this, stuff, but I, I sometimes do dumb stuff with zeros on the end. It's like dumb times like a lot, like a lot of dumb, dumb. There's a lot of dumb there. And so Genesis says that sin entered the world and that we do dumb stuff and that it actually messes up our souls. It, it puts us in a mess, in a place of desperation in our souls and that actually truly what we need in life is we actually need a doctor that will step in and help us. And can I just tell you guys something? Religion a lot of times will tell you, hey, you need to do all the right things and whatever religion it is, they have a different set of things. But you need to do all the right things in order to line up and make yourself acceptable or worthy to God. It kind of would have been like the doctor looking at me and saying, hey, seven-year-old, you know what you need to do? You bit the rope and it was dumb with zeros on the end. Here's what you need to do. Get your mouth fixed up. Get your bones put back in place. Get your teeth out. Sew it up. And then you know what? If you can get your stuff together, then, I, then maybe yeah, I'll help you. And guys, we have this like interesting view on God, the Father, that that's how he views our life. That in our soul, we have these things that are messes. And we have this view that God kind of looks at us and says, well, when you get that straight, then you can come and hang out with me. But can I just tell you, God is much more like a doctor that steps in and goes, I see the mess. It's actually why I came. And I want to help you with it. And so can I just say this plainly? I know we have a little ways to go here, but I'll just say this plainly. If you've never heard this before, God the Father does not need you to get all of your stuff together in order to come to him. God the Father came in the form of a man named Jesus Christ, and he left heaven and came and pierced the veil to come down, took on flesh, and gave his life so that he could help in our mess. We call that the gospel. It's not that we're working our way to God, but that he worked his way to us. Yeah, that's... And I got to tell you guys, I'm very thankful for that. And so the Bible, and I'm paraphrasing it a little bit, but the Bible says that we need a doctor for our soul and that Jesus is the doctor. He's the one who came for the mess. And in that sense, you guys, Christianity is not just about if there is a God, but what kind of God he is. I'll say that again. Christianity is not just about if there is a God, but what kind of God he is. What are his intentions towards you? What are his intentions toward me? And so when I look at Christianity and I ask what kind of God is he, I think there are serious implications to that question. And so the rest of our time this morning, I want to take you to a portion of scripture in Luke 15, and maybe a familiar portion to some of you. 
Maybe for some of you, you're like, I don't even know what the Bible is. That's okay too. And I'm sure that um, City Life, the City Life team is really, really glad that you're here. That's a little water. You guys see that? I like that. That's good. Luke 15. I'll set the stage for you, but Jesus is teaching and he's hanging out with all the people that he's not supposed to be hanging out with, okay? Um, sinners, tax collectors. And the religious folks come to him and they're like, hey, Jesus, we don't know if you knew this, but you're not supposed to be hanging out with all those people. And so Jesus launches into teaching the religious people about his heart and about what he's doing. And so he talks about uh, several things that are lost. And he eventually comes to this story in Luke 15 and he talks about um, a lost son. And we're gonna get to this portion of scripture in a minute. We're not there yet. But we're gonna get to, uh, to the story of the lost son. And so there's a father. And actually in the story, he has two sons. He has an older son and a younger son. And again, I'm paraphrasing for you, but you should go read this because it's, it's, it's epically cool. Did you guys know the Bible is, is incredibly relevant to our life? If you've never heard that or that's never been the case for you, can I tell you that there is not a more relevant, applicable book or words to your life than the Bible. Do you know that it's consistently on the number one bestseller list in the number one spot on the bestseller list like every week? Like it might get bumped like a week, it comes back. If you look over almost guys, historically, since the printing press was invented, I'm sure they weren't tracking New York Times bestsellers back then, right? There wasn't in New York. But, but if you track it, the Bible is consistently a bestseller. It's because it speaks so applicably to what we deal with. And so this father has two sons, and the younger son comes to the father and it says, he says this, he says, dad, I want my share of the inheritance now. Now, typically they would have gotten their share of inheritance when the father passed and then the, the estate would have moved two thirds to the older brother, one third to the younger brother. But the younger brother goes to the father and says, I want my stuff now. And can I tell you, it was a slap in the face because it's like, I want my stuff, but I don't want you. Right? And so anyway, here's what's beautiful about the father. He does it. He's like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, here, here's, here's yours. This is what's yours. You're free to go. And so the younger son takes it, and I'm paraphrasing, but he goes to Las Vegas, and he squanders it, and the Bible says riotous living. That's, Las Vegas is the best thing I can come up with, like current day, you know? But he goes, and he squanders it all with friends and parties and whatever, and he, he finds himself in a place, okay, where, where he has nothing left, and this is back to biblical times, but it says this, it says he is serving a man who has a, a farm and he is feeding pigs. And I don't know if you guys catch this, but in a, in a Jewish context, feeding pigs is about as low as it gets because a, a pig was an unclean animal. So feeding pigs was low, y'all, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. So he's feeding the pigs and it says that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate. And so that's the bottom of the barrel, you guys. And then. As the scripture says, something amazing happens. He has a moment of revelation where he comes to himself and he says this, how many people in my father's house, how many hired men in my father's house have food to eat? I'm gonna go home. And okay, you ready? Here's where it starts to get really important for us. So there's your context. The younger son says this. He does not say, I'm going to get up out of the pig pen and go home and be my dad's son again. He never says that. If you read the scripture, what it says is it says, he says he had an epiphany. He said, my father has hired men who are eating better than I am. I'll go home and perhaps he'll let me be one of his hired men. Can I tell you something? A hired man was not a son. It was a person that would work for the father, the landowner, and they would go in and they would work for a day for a wage and then they would go back and they would live in the city and then they would take that wage that the father, that this, this landowner had given them and that was how they lived. So let me tell you what the son in his heart felt. 
He said, I'm gonna go home to the father, but I'm not gonna go back as a son. I'm gonna go back and I'm going to work in order to pay back what I took from him. I'm gonna go back and pay restitution. That's the word, restitution. I'm gonna go earn my way back into the Father's good graces. I'm gonna go back and work as a hired man, make money, and perhaps I can pay back some of what I took. And perhaps my Father will be gracious to allow me to work as a hired hand for him. And so he gets up and he starts walking home. And this is where we pick up the scripture that I, I wanted to uh, read to you in Luke 15, 20. It says this, it says, and he, that's the younger son, arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. The Greek word, which the New Testament is written in Aramaic and Greek, but the Greek word for compassion, I'm gonna make sure that I pronounce this the right way because um, spagnizoma, is the Greek word. You say, well, that sounds like a, ugh, like kind of a spag, like that. It's exactly what it is. It's that you feel things down in here. The word compassion there is not like this abstract, like, oh, he had, you know, he saw his son and he was like, oh man, I really love that kid. He was moved to the depths of his body and his soul with the compassion that he felt for his son who he saw a far way off. It says he felt compassion and ran. And the word ran is to run as if you were running a race to win. It's, it's every fiber of your being like flexing and moving. He sprints to his son. And I love the picture because back then, you know, guys wore like dresses, robes, you know. Um, you know, my dad, my dad still wears a robe, I think, in the morning sometimes. Um, I've, I've never worn a robe. Is that like a generational thing? Can you guys, can somebody help me? Um, I, I, don't, I don't have a robe, but, um, but they used to wear, the patriarchs wear robes, so maybe that's why my dad wears one. It's a very patriarchal thing, you know? But, uh, but, but they wore robes, and so to run fast as like in a race, you would have to actually hike a robe up. So if you can picture this dignified patriarch of an estate, he, he's, he's hiring people, he's a, he's a business owner, and he sees his son and he's moved with compassion at the very core of his being, and he, he lifts his robe and he sprints like to run a race, to embarrass himself, and runs out, and it says that he falls on his son and he embraces him and kisses him over and over and over and over and over again. And the son, I'll read it here, verse uh, uh, 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Did you guys catch that? Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring quick the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. They, they had barbecue. Verse 24, for this is, my son was dead and he's now alive again. He was lost and now he's found and they began to celebrate. Can I tell you something? If you have always thought of God as, a, as someone out there who says, get your stuff fixed up and then you can come home. Can I tell you that God is not somewhere out there asking you to get fixed up to come to him. God is a God that came to you and said, I'm here to help your mess. Just come to me. And here in this story, there was the son that went out and made a mess and he came home to earn his way back. And the father said, I don't want to hear anything about you earning your way back. What I want you to know is you're my son. And I want you to come in, yes, I want you to come in and I want you to have the robe and I want you to have the family ring and I want the sandals on your feet and we're celebrating because you came home. I'm not worried about whatever you did. I'm worried about you coming home. And that's the story for the younger son. And guys, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of grace. The message is clear, come home. So if you, if you identify with the younger brother this morning and you've never done that, can I just tell you, well, I'll pray for you and us at the end, but I wanna give you that opportunity to come home.
Because there is a God who loves you and he just, he's not worried about the messes in your life. He can fix that, he's a good doctor, but he wants you to come to him. And so we, we can pray about that later, but if that's you, I want you to identify and I want you to know the message is clear, come home. God would say, come home. Here's what's amazing, did you know there's another son? There's an older son in the story. And did you know that we say that the younger son was the lost one? But here's what's amazing. The older son was lost too. And I know this because Jesus is actually not talking to younger brothers in the parable. He's actually talking to religious people, to older brothers, people that have been in the faith or people that have tried to serve God their entire life. That's who he's talking to. And you know what's amazing is he wants the older brothers to see his heart for the younger brothers. He first wants the older brothers to understand his heart for the younger brothers, but then another thing, I believe that he wants the older brothers to take up an active part in helping reach the younger brothers. Because the Pharisees stood afar and said, hey Jesus, you're hanging out with the wrong people, as sinners and tax collectors and all these wrong people. We just wanted you to know in case you didn't know. And Jesus is over here going, well, that's really interesting. Seems like we have a different opinion about what we should be doing. Let me tell you a story. And then he shares this, and he says, look at the father's heart for the younger son. And in the story, if you keep reading it, it's amazing because the actual father in the story, the younger son comes home, they throw a party, they're celebrating. He goes out and he meets the older brother coming in from the field. The field represents working. He's working for the father. And they meet in the field, and the older son says, I'm paraphrasing, Pop, what up? I hear the music and I smell barbecue. Like, what's happening at home? And the father says, your younger brother, he's come home, we're celebrating. And the older brother's mad. Because he's like, hey man, like, I earned a party and I didn't get one. And this younger one that doesn't deserve one came home and got one. And I'm kind of ticked about it. And the older, the older brother actually is in the field kind of with his arms crossed and the father's having this conversation with him saying, please come in and join us in the celebration. And he says, everything I've ever had is yours. Here's what I want us to see this morning. There is a younger brother, and we need to look at the grace, but there's an older brother, too. And the younger brother didn't come home. Are you guys ready? If you're tweeters, if you're note takers, here you go. The younger brother didn't come home because he thought he needed to earn his way into the house. The older brother didn't come into the house because he thought he already had earned his way into the house. And he was mad that anybody else that didn't earn it the way he earned it was able to come in. And there was two lost brothers. There was a younger brother who was lost because he was sinful in a kind of way that we would typically think sinful. There was an older brother who was lost because he was prideful. And the story and the message is clear for us, you guys, is that both brothers were supposed to come into the house solely because they were sons, not because they earned it or didn't earn it. And can I tell you that the gospel and Christianity, truly, when we say it's not just is there a God, it's what kind of God he is, he makes it clear for us here that we cannot earn or unearn, we can't diligently work our way, we don't, we don't buy our way, we don't earn, we don't unearn our way into the Father's house, we come because we're his kids. And because the Father's heart is for us to be in his house and to come. So can I just tell you, I don't know if you're a younger brother or a younger daughter, I don't know if you're an older brother or an older daughter, can I just tell you the message is clear for us, you all? Can we stop looking at us? Both brothers were lost. Can we stop looking at us and start looking at the father? Because the father's heart is clear. I want you in the house during the celebration. 
That's the father's heart for the younger brother and for the older brother, for the one who's lost in immorality and the one who is pridefully, religiously believing that, that God owes them something. And so for us, you guys, the younger son thought he had to earn God's love. The older brother thought he had earned the father's love. And he refused to come into the party and he said this, I've never disobeyed you. And the story ends with the older brother in the field with his arms crossed like this. And the lights go out and the parable's over. And I believe that Jesus did that on purpose because he's talking to the Pharisees and he was inviting them to come in and he left it hanging for them to figure out what they wanted to do. And I believe that the same thing is true for us this morning, you guys. So for younger brothers, younger sisters, the message is clear for you. It doesn't matter what you did. The mess that you created in your life, God is not scared of that. He's actually came to fix it. He wants you to come, come home. For those of us who are older brothers and sisters and we've forgotten about the grace of God and we've forgotten about the Father's love for the broken and the outcast and the downcast and those who do not deserve it. And it's so hard sometimes because we, we, we pour out and feel like I've been in the field, I'm working, I, I'm earning it. Can I just tell you something? I'm a pastor, y'all, I ain't earned nothing. I am earning nothing. Do you know why I do what I do? Do you know why Pastor Jerome does what he does? We do it because we're loved by the Father. And because we just love other people and we just want other people to know the goodness of the Father. And can I just tell you this morning, I don't know what kind of brother, sister, son, daughter you are. Would you just come back to the Father? And would you relate with him because he's good, not because you're good? And would you relate with him based on his works on the cross instead of your works on wherever you go? Because that's the heart of the Father and that's the heart of the gospel. God says, you're mine and I want you with me. I'm not worried about your mess. I'm not worried about where you've been and I'm not worried about where you're going. I want you to be with me. I wanna kind of wrap up with a quick story that I heard years ago. It was actually at a youth conference, um, interestingly enough, but it, it was a powerful story and it's always hung with me. I drink my little water there. And it's a story about a boy who builds a boat. And he builds a little sailboat and it's his toy boat and he makes it on his little wood shop and he crafts it and he hones it and he puts the sails carefully on it and he takes care of it. And every night before he would go to bed, he would hug the little boat and he'd say, little boat, I love you because I made you. And he would put the boat on a shelf in his room and he would periodically take it off and he'd go down to the river and he would float it down 10, 20, 30 feet and he'd run down into the river and he'd catch it on the bank and he'd take it home and he'd hold it close to his heart and he'd say, I love you little boat because I made you and he'd put it on his shelf. One day he took it down off the shelf and he went to the river and as you guys can imagine, he floated out a little bit too far and it caught in a stronger current and the river took it and it moved away and he wasn't able to catch it. And it got away from him and he lost his boat. And he was devastated. He would go look for the boat, but it was hard for him to find it. And one day after a couple years, he was walking downtown and in the, in the shop, in the, the thrift shop, there in the window, he sees his boat. Somebody had found it and brought it and sold it to the thrift store and there it was sitting in the window. And so he rushes in and he talks to the shop owner and he says, I gotta have that boat, it's my boat. The shop owner said, it's not your boat, it's my boat. And it's $20, pick a number. So the little boy went and he did everything that he needed to do and he saved and he scrimped and he pinched and he 
saved up the money, the $20, and he went back to the store owner and he said, that's my boat and I want it back. And he put the $20 on the counter and he went and he got his boat and he took it home that night and he sat on the edge of his bed and he held the boat and he held it close to his heart and he said, little boat, I love you. First, because I made you, but second, because I purchased you. And he put it up on the shelf and then he would take it down and out to the river and he would float it and they would, they would hang out together. And as I was thinking about this morning and praying about this morning, that story came back to me just to say this, is that we're kind of like that boat and God loves us like that little boy loves that boat. You guys, God loves you because he made you. He loves you simply because he crafted you and molded you and put you on the workshop in, in heaven and he formed you. It says that he formed you in your mother's womb and that you're delicately made, that you're that you're crafted by him, that he knows the number of hairs on your head. He loves you first because he made you. But here's the thing, there was a story in the Bible, it's the narrative over our entire life, it's the narrative of the gospel, is that we sinned and we went our own way. And that while we were lost, we were in somebody else's shop. But God saw us and he said, I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to buy them back. And he paid a price for us on the cross at Calvary. And he, pay, he paid in his own blood and he, he laid his life down and paid for our sin and resurrected again and then invited us to join him in resurrection life, to be with him again. And I believe that this morning he would speak to us if we would listen and he would say, I love you, City Life Lansing, and each one of us sitting here this morning. I love you because I made you and also because I've purchased you. And so my question for us this morning is this, is will we come home? So if you guys would, if you would close your eyes and bow your heads with me, I just wanna pray for the younger brothers and the older brothers. Younger brothers and sisters, you don't have to fix your mess. God is the doctor of our soul. Jesus came to pay. Uh, Jesus came to fix our mess. We don't have to fix the messes in our life to come back to him. He comes to us and says, I'm here to help you fix the mess. That's why I came. So if you're here and you say, I've never even started a relationship with Jesus this morning, you don't have to raise your hand. I just wanna pray for you. And if you pray this prayer with me, it's not a, it's not a magic prayer in the sense that of the words I'm praying, but it is, it's a confession or a surrender of our life to Jesus. And if you pray this prayer in a moment, I want you to let somebody know here at the team and they're gonna get you started out on the right foot. But if you've never started a relationship with Jesus and you wanna do that, would you pray this with me? We can all actually pray this out loud together. Say, Father, thank you for loving me and inviting me home. No matter what I've done, I'm coming home. This morning, I surrender. God, I surrender. God, thank you for inviting me home. I believe Jesus is your son and that he paid for my sin on the cross. I receive that as a gift now and I'll be with you forever in Jesus' name. In, uh, in the one and a half minutes that I have left, I wanna pray for us that are older brothers and sisters. Just got back this morning actually at 8, 8 a.m. We took a charter bus to Washington, D.C. There were several hundred thousand people at the mall on Saturday. 
We were there, we got home this morning, and I just wanna let you know something. It was amazing to be at the mall with hundreds of thousands of people, and you know, Francis Chan, and Ravi Zacharias, and all the great music, and it was great, it was super cool. Can I just tell you something? I left there, yes, inspired, but I left there with a conviction that the local church is the hope of the world. Obviously, Jesus is the hope of the world, but the local church carries Jesus day in and day out. And I believe that what you guys are doing what you guys are doing is the hope for our nation. Jesus is the hope for our nation, but his work through you is the hope for our nation. So for us older brothers and sisters, can we continue? And I know this, this church probably has the Father's heart more than any church I've ever seen. I know your pastor well. But I wanna pray for us to pick up God's heart, okay? So let me quickly pray for us. God, just as the older brothers and sisters in this place, those who have walked with you, God, would you remind us that we cannot earn anything from you? And God, that ultimately at the end of the day, we're your kids simply because you've called us to come. God, would you extend our heart to those who are broken and hurting? And God, those who might not know you, God, maybe even the ones on the fringes that, that we don't think about often. God, would you let us be those, God, who are agents of change? God, would you let us be those who are your hands and feet? God, would you let us be those who partner with you and pick up your passion? passion for people. And God, pour us out, God. We surrender, God. Have all of us. God, every, every bit, every piece, God, we just want you, Jesus. God, would you stir up for us again a new, fresh love for you, God, both personally, God, and then also, God, for your work and your mission. God, would you allow us to join you in your passion and in your death and your suffering, but God, also in your joy. And God, I just pray for the younger or the older brothers and sisters in this place, God, that God, that as we pick up your heart and we see people's lives change, God, that one day we would come and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, good and faithful son, good and faithful daughter. God, we love you. We surrender to you again afresh this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you guys for having me. It's been an honor. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.